Sorry for the delay. I honestly have never seen that video before, so I didn't quite know when to come up. Sorry. <laughs> but 2023, everybody take in a deep breath and let go. You made it. You guys look beautiful. I got new shoes. Listen, listen, listen. My grandmother right here bought me these shoes. Anybody have a grandma that buys them awesome shoes that they actually wear? That is awesome. Well, I got to preach last New Year's Day, or it was January 2nd, so this is kind of coming a trend that I get to preach on January, but I just want to share with you guys a little something that's happened in my life. I became a dad over the past couple weeks, throw my little baby up there. I scared all of y'all. I scared all y'all. I'm not even married. I scared all y'all. Y'all didn't even see it coming. But this is Hardy. He, he's four years old. I got him from the Franklin County Dog Shelter. And I'd love to tell you what type of dog he is 100%, but they don't do DNA tests on all their dogs because it's a little expensive. But there's this crazy thing on your phone that you can, like, scan pictures of your dog, and it'll tell you what it is. Who knows if it's accurate, but apparently he's a black mouth cur mix. I don't know. But I know he's adorable. You see his harness with his name on it? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. He is awesome. He's adorable. I love him. But we're in the new year, and we're in this series called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And as I was kind of, I knew I was going to talk on this message, and I was kind of preparing, and I just want to say before I even jump into anything that this message is not coming from a place that I know better or that I have figured all these this thing out and that I make all my decisions are the best for me and God-centered. I try. I try my best, but I fail. So I just want you guys to know this is coming from a place of love and a place that I want to launch you guys into 2023 just encouraged and ready to just chase after God with everything you've got. We're talking, and so the, we're doing this Andy Stanley book, and that's The Better Decision, Fewer, uh, fewer Regrets. And each chapter is going to be our new, our, is going to be like the sermon title. And today we're talking, am I being honest with myself, really? Am I being honest with myself, And as we go through this life as humans, we've gotten extremely well at selling ourselves on bad decisions and bad choices. And we've rationally convinced ourselves of why we're making bad decisions, and it's okay if I make this decision, even though it's not necessarily the best decision for me. So why is it that we often rely on self-narratives that are not true? When I was thinking of this, one person that kind of came to my mind that I know Every time we talk about sports, he goes back to his glory days. He's doing 360s off of people. He's shooting from half court, draining all these shots. And everybody knows you weren't. You weren't that cool. You weren't that guy. And so, like, it's just, like, that's just how it is. Or people exaggerate stories so much that you don't even know when they're telling the truth and when they're telling a lie. So what is it in us that does that? And Ohio State fans, we get so fixated on our own brains and opinions that we think Ryan Day doesn't know what he's doing. We think that we could go, see? Point in case, point in case. We think, I, I was scrolling through Facebook this morning before I got here, tearing Ryan Day up. 
lost by one point, tearing them up. And I'm just like, you go out there. Everybody thinks they can be the coach of the Buckeyes. <laughs> but we do such a good job at lying to ourselves about problems in our lives that we are too scared to front. We lie to ourselves about addictions and anxiety. We lie to ourselves about how we treat others. We lie to ourselves about our relationship with God. And this is going to be a pretty hard sermon to preach. But I just want you guys to know that you guys are not alone. Everybody at one point has had a false narrative of themselves and lies to themselves. And I promise you guys that the first couple minutes of this is going to be pretty brutal. But it's going to come around with some hope. So just, just, just hang on. And <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything, but we, we have a teaching team, or no, I think it's at staff meeting, and we were just talking about the New Year's service, and um, I think it was Diane, because she knew I was preaching, and she goes, make sure it's a quick one, <laughs> which every time I preach, it's like 20 minutes, so y'all are in for, y'all are getting to lunch early today. <laughs> but what if I were able to sit down with every single one of you individually, and I could ask you, what do you want? A lot of times you say, well, well, what do you mean what I want? What I want in my life, what I want in my relationship, in my career. Just what do you want? That's a loaded question that not many people can answer. And if you ask a Christian what they want or a Christ follower, take a seat. Because we don't get this question asked often of what do we want. (laughs) But I was sitting at Texas Roadhouse the other day with my girlfriend. And this indecisiveness just came over me. Just, what do I want? Do I want gravy chicken? Do I want steak? Do I want sirloin? Do I pay the extra money and get a ribeye? Just, what do I want? What do I want? And, I, and, I, and I'm asking her, what do I want? She goes, I don't know. Get what you want. I'm like, I don't know what I want. We're in a life that we go through this life, and we're not sure what we truly want. And I've started to notice a trend in my 18 years that usually... <laughs> I've been here a while, friends. I know that. Usually what people want and desire and dream of in their life usually doesn't happen. Because a lot of times it's a selfish point of view that we're going from, not a God-centered kingdom point of view. And I was talking to Belle the other day, and as I was preparing this and asking just like that question, and I asked her, you know, she's starting to laugh because she knows where this is going. And I asked her, hey, like, I think we were just watching TV, and I go, you know, when you were younger, like a young teenager, and like you picture like the person you're going to end up with, and like, was that person like look like me, or like, am I what you thought? <laughs> Such a girly thing to ask, too. I, and I would love to say that her answer was, oh, yeah, like you are everything that I wanted. <laughs> but her true answer was, so I was like, honey, do you, like, am I the thing, like, am I the man you thought you would be with? Well, not exactly. <laughs> we are in love, folks. We are in love. But in life, we plan of when we're going to get married, when we're going to graduate, when we're going to get our promotion, where we're going to move to. And if any sign of that not happening, what do we do? God's not good. God's not faithful like he promised me. I thought I was going to be an engineer. I thought I was going to have this job. I thought by now I'd be making six figures. I thought by now I would be married. What's wrong with me, God? Why am I not living the life that I thought? Are you not the God that I thought you were? And we throw tantrums at the first sign of not getting what we want. And the first point that I have today 
is that question of, am I being honest with my desires? And in James chapter 1, 13 through 15, it says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So we see from this that selfish desires soon lead to sinful actions. And sinful actions gives birth to death. So when we get honest with ourselves about the things we desire, I believe everything changes. Because our desires are the thing that very drive us to do what we want to do. They drive the decisions we make. Nobody goes along life making decisions based off desires that they don't care about. And having desires is not necessarily a bad thing. God has given us these beautiful brains that we can have relationships, that we can have feelings, that we can talk, we can go through life. But the true problem comes when we desire chasing after things more than we desire God. We chase after the sinful things, these sinful actions, more than we chase after God. No wonder our life is not ending up like we thought because we're chasing after things that God necessarily didn't put in our lives. And admitting to ourselves and being honest with ourselves about our desires is the first step to unlocking a new way of living in God's will. And we see in 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And this world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So when we get honest with ourselves for a minute, what does your life look like at home? This is going to be an, this whole thing's about integrity. What does your life look like when you're by yourself? What does your life look like when nobody's watching? What if God was to, what if you getting into heaven was based off the life that you lived away from your spouse? Or the life you lived away from your best friend? Would it change your outcome? When you're alone, you can't get off that website. You can't stop watching videos you know you shouldn't watch. You can't stop drinking behind people's back. You have this addiction to drugs. And it's so, it's, it, these things have such a tight grip on our lives. Amazon has a tight grip on most of you. And imagine if we spent more, as much time as we do shopping on Amazon, watching porn, doing drugs, and drinking alcohol, that we did with God. Some of y'all Amazon freaks would be Holy Ghost if y'all could spend more time with God than on you do Amazon. And all these things can consume us, and they drive us to do things. All these sins, all these addictions, all these desires drive us to go down a path that we know we shouldn't go down. And it's because we haven't gotten honest with ourselves and realized that there is a deep-rooted problem in my heart. There's a deep-rooted problem in my soul from the pain and the trauma of before. And I have sectioned off parts of my heart because I haven't gotten real with myself. I've been selfish 
I've made decisions based on my own path and my own way and my own success instead of God's will, his way, and his success. And these things don't even come to heaven with us. Imagine if we could just spend the same amount of time as we do with our desires with God. Our whole lives would change. And we have a role model in the Bible and in our Christian life, and his name is Jesus. And when we look at the desires of us, we ask the question, well, what did Jesus truly desire? And I think we see this in Matthew when Jesus is in the garden, and he's known he's about to die. He knows what's coming in front of him. He's even told his disciples, hey, I'm going to go be crucified. This is what's going to happen. And he goes to the garden with his disciples, and he kind of goes away for a little while. He, he goes away from And we read here, Matthew 26, verse 19, says, He went on a little farther, and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I'm going to read that again. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Some people who are new to Christianity may not know that Jesus didn't want to die the way that he died. Who wants to go be tortured and crucified like that? But I think that's one of the most beautiful moments in Christianity. And I've had millions of conversations with God saying, God, you got to take this from me. I'm not strong enough to do this on my own. God, where are you at? Why aren't you taking this from me? And you'd be surprised at how little amount of those conversations go at the end. But God, I want your will, not mine. Very few of my selfish, worldly, humanly conversations end with, God, I want your will, not mine. But we see this beautiful moment where Jesus knows what he's about to do. And when I'm in, in my situations, I pray that God takes me out of my situations, not that God increases in my situations. What happened to I become less and you become more? You become greater, I become less. Why is it that we move in this way that we're so selfish in our desires? The next thing I have is, am I being honest in my relationship with God? Am I being honest with my relationship with God? I remember talking to a mentor not too long. It was about a year ago. And I was just telling him all my just pretty much problems and my selfishness and complaining to him about how God's not doing what I thought he was going to do. And he was just listening, didn't really say much. Then he goes, what's your prayer life been like? And I was like, obviously I'm praying. I'm a Christian like I've been praying. Oh. Have you been reading your Bible? Have you been studying the Word? And in an instant, I knew that I hadn't been. And I knew it had been weeks since I touched my Bible, but I lied and said, yeah. Because when you're faced with that thing of just like, I'm in the wrong here. I haven't been praying. I haven't been reading my Bible. Well, no wonder I'm not flourishing my relationship with God is because I'm not nurturing it. I can't get past my own selfishness of what I want to do every day that I can't take time to spend with God. And so many of us, probably in this room, have situations in our lives that we need God. And I just want to ask you, when's the last time you asked for his will and not your own? When's the last time you got on your knees humbly and said, God, I just want you? 
We just had an awesome worship session this morning with a piano and four singers. None of this means anything. Yeah, we have cool lights, we have an awesome drummer, we have guitars, but none of it matters. It's when we get to the side of it and we praise God because he's God. Not because it's cool to praise God or not because I'm wanting to get something out of God. Why don't we just praise God because he's God? We see Silas and Paul in prison. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that they praise God to get out of their situation. They they were in prison, if you didn't know. They're in prison, and in that scripture, it never says they praise God because they wanted to get out of prison. It says they praise God because God is worthy of praise. Not because they were wanting something out of this relationship with God. Can we set aside our selfish desires for a minute and just praise God because he's God? Now, stepping on some toes. Y'all ready for some hope? I was reading this verse, and I heard somebody preach on it, and I, just, and I wanted to use it so bad. And I didn't know how I was going to really make it happen, but it's, just long, it's a pretty good passage, and it's in Romans 8, 29 through 39. And it says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He, des- he decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. And after God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it by calling people by name. And he called them by name. He set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Americans have this this American dream, success, money, having a family. But you want to know what God wants? He wants this. He wants to shape us in ways that he shaped his son. That's the whole purpose of this life is that we become Jesus. We will never amount to Jesus. We will never be close to Jesus. But God is trying to shape us into a mold of Jesus so that we are selfless, we love unconditionally. Those are two things that Jesus did all over this earth. He loved unconditionally, and he was selfless. And it says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for me and you? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Just so you guys know, you guys are God's chosen. God came as a human. He could have came as a warrior. He could have came as a lion. He could have came as a Tyrannosaurus Rex. But he came as a human because he loves humans. He wanted to come in the most humble birth that we just celebrated in a manger. He wanted to have the most humble death so that we would know that he is the Messiah and that he loves us. This is all about love. This is all about love. Who would dare point, even point a finger? The one who died for us, who raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not anger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. 
That's hope. Because I commit sins all the time. I'm not perfect. Preachers aren't perfect. We sin. We fall short to the glory of God. And I'm so thankful for that. It says they kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. Oh, this part pumps me up. None of this phases us. Because Jesus loves us. Church, you better hear this next part. It says, I'm absolutely convinced. Is anybody else convinced? (laughs) That nothing, nothing living or dying, angels or demons, high or low, unthinkable or thinkable, absolutely nothing can come between us and God's love. Because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. So when it becomes May 21st or August 30th or June 1st, all these random days throughout the years, and we're falling short to the glory of God. We're sinning. We're not loving like we should. We're not being honest with ourselves. We've lost ourselves. We think we've gone too far. I need you to know that I am so convinced that the same God that died for us and rose again is the same God that is ready to come and fight for you. And I can promise you, I will promise you that I may not be able to be there to counsel you. Mark might not be able to be there to help you. Your spouse might not be there, but I can promise you there is one man who will be there, and his name is Jesus. No matter what the day is, no matter what random day it is, no matter how far you think you've gone, there is no far you can go that Jesus will not come after you and chase you down. And I'm so convinced of that, that nothing can phase us. Nothing phases us because of the love that we have. So when people, when we go through hard times this year, when we go through hard times this year, and people say, man, how did you get through that? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. His grace came after me when I didn't deserve it. When I couldn't get off that website, he chased me down. When I lost my parents, when I lost my friend, these death-like situations in my life, Jesus loves me. That is the whole point of Christianity and being a follower of Christ is love. And if anybody has convinced you otherwise, it's not true. And that's a bold sentence to say, but it's not true. This is about love and the love that Jesus had for you. The band can come on up. I'm about to close up. I want to take a moment here. We're going to do communion. But as we sing this next song, I want to have a moment. If you got real with yourself today and you see desires and you see addictions in your life that need broken, I want you to accept the call that Jesus is making on your heart today. If you have that pull on your heart that you need to get right with God, don't waste another moment than today. We're going to sing a song, and it's called Touch of Heaven. And the chorus says, All I want is to live within your love, to be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. And I want to make a moment here I want you to take communion on on your own time during this song. And if you need healing, you need an experience of God, you need prayer, 
I want to open up this area. And if you feel that tug on your heart that you need to change, that you need to seek God's will, you need to change your desires, you need freed from addiction, anxiety, depression. The first step to getting saved and free from your chains is accepting it over your life. Is by accepting it and getting real with yourself and coming to the altar. Coming humbly before God on your knees and saying, God, I give up. I want to experience your love. I want to experience your truth. And if that's you, I don't want you to waste the moment to launch 2023 into the year of success in God. Into the year that you finally unlock salvation. And if that's you, I want you to come before God. It's between you and God. We'll have people up here who can pray for you. But don't miss out on an opportunity to experience Christ.